Hello and welcome back everybody to the Crosspoint Church Scripture Podcast. It's your host, Josiah. Looking forward to another episode of the podcast where we dive into a scripture of the day, uh, learning more about context, learning more about what it meant to its original audience that heard it, and just generally enjoying ourselves, okay? So um, our scripture of the day today, if you want to be following along at home, I try to make it easy if you are listening to this podcast while you're taking your run or you're riding your bike or you are driving and I will read the scripture myself and kind of keep referencing it so that if you don't have a copy in front of you, that's all good. But certainly another way that this uh, podcast could um, benefit you is to have your Bible out. And uh, if you're a note taker, you can have some notes ready just because we are only giving direction here. It's not no way we can teach this whole verse and here's everything it means. And no, but what we are doing is, man, I hope, pointing down the road a bit and saying, here's some things you could chase down or here's uh, hopefully encouraging you to go back and read the entire book. So for instance, today we're in Romans chapter 10, verse 13 is our verse of the day, Romans ten thirteen, And Romans is just, you know, a very central book in the New Testament. And that's why you hear it quoted often. It's, uh, you know, lots of books, lots of sermons. Uh, Paul, uh, a letter written by the apostle Paul, uh, to, to a church, and this is a little different because so often in the New Testament, I have to go back and look for sure how much this is true, but I think, so don't quote me on this, but I really, as I remember, I think this is the only letter he writes to a church that he himself did not plant or start. I just think that now, don't, you know, but I think that's true. I know it's true about Romans that he didn't start the Roman church and he wanted to visit them. So it's pretty cool. And because of that, at least the scholars that I've read think because it wasn't a church he started, he elaborates and spells out a lot more things about what he believed and so on than he does in a lot of his other letters because the recipients would have known a lot of it because he's the one that started the church. So Romans gives us a lot of insight into what the Apostle Paul was teaching and believed to be the gospel, which is really cool. Especially if Paul happens to be your favorite writer in the New Testament, which happens to be true for yours truly your fearless host. All right, guys, so Romans 10, 13, um, I'm just going to read it and then we'll look at its context. Think about original audience, meaning what did it mean to, you know, how was it likely to be heard by its original audience from Paul? How does it point to Jesus? And then, you know, of course, along the way, kind of here and there, just sprinkling in some stuff about how it might uh, strengthen our walk with Jesus. So Romans 10, 13 from the ESV reads like this, for, and then this is put in quotes in the ESV. So it's like, just want to keep in mind that Paul is quoting something, okay? So 10, 13, for, quote, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, so um, right off the bat, just looking at the context of the verse itself, it should begin to give us some directions. It should be pointing here and there, kind of saying, hey, look around, get get more meaning here. And this verse especially, so yes, it's cool. For everyone who calls on the name of the capital L-O-R-D will be saved. So, um, you know, Paul's quoting the Old Testament and the idea being everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're thinking, I do that. I call upon the name of the Lord, so I will be saved. And that's right, and it's very encouraging. 
as long as you know the background story. And um, But even when you do, even when you're following the Lord, then this sort of verse is, is crying out to be filled out with more. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Like, how, why, what? You understand there should be. Uh, our faith and reading the Bible should not be about putting away all those questions. It should be about uh, zealously chasing down those questions. So let's try to do that a little bit. And just keeping, because this is a, the Crosspoint Scripture podcast, the way we'll chase down answers is just by looking above and below the verse. Let's just look at where it's put in Romans to see if we can um, learn more about it and see it in greater depth. So one of the best things you can do usually if you're looking for context, so in my Bible, you know, these um, indexes and verse numbers, they didn't come from God, but it was put together by the people who translated the Bible. And it's their full-time job, so to speak. And they put a lot of thought and prayer into it. And so uh, the fact that they ended the paragraph here, but started it up in verse five could be interesting, you know? So let's give it a try. So let's go up to verse five, where the paragraph that this, for all who call upon the Lord, name of the Lord will be saved. That started up here in verse five. So let's see what the thought here is. It says, for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law. Okay, he's talking about the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or, will, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the name of the Lord is Lord of all. For the same Lord, excuse me. For the same Lord is Lord of all. Bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For, quote, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, so whoa, you know, whoa, whoa. This verse was just a little bit of, okay, Christianity. You know, everybody believes in Jesus will be saved. I know that. But you go up to verse five, start reading, and you just looked over a deep cliff, didn't you? So there was all kinds of stuff here. We don't have time to get into it all, but just such cool stuff. So he starts, you know, Moses was um, the one that God chose to give his law through, I mean, the ten, the ten Commandments, the first five books of Moses. And those commands were, these are God's commands. You either do them or you are cut off. You know, you do the commandments, you'll live. If you don't, you won't. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. What in the world? Ascend into heaven, descend into the abyss. What Paul's saying is, this is not a gospel or a life or a righteousness that says in your heart, I'm going to go up to heaven and get it, or I need to go down into death and get it. Instead, it says it's near you now because of Christ, because of uh, Jesus living his life and dying on our behalf and pouring out his spirit. 
It's near you. Jesus has put it near you. God came near us in Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life, you see. So what does it say? It says the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. To believe in God is to, dr- is to directly trust him and to trust in him for everything, for the grace to forgive your sins, for the power to live a better life, you know, for the ability to love him and others. It all comes from God. It's not performance, do the, do the commandments or die. It's from the heart you begin to do the commandments because God empowers you to do it because you believe in him personally. You are calling upon and placing your faith in him personally, and that's why you'll be saved. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. And what's neat is we have, I mean, Paul spells it out, man. This is like discipleship 101. So look at verse nine, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. Now, we gotta be very careful and don't have time for all this, but in the Western world, in America, in a lot of ways, in the modern world, we have flattened words out you know, kind of drained a lot of their meaning from them and just put it strictly in, you know, these thoughts that pass mentally through your brain and that's it. Or in the West, we believe in or have seen that you can just say words with your mouth and that's fine. That's definitely, you know, regardless of what you believe or or really think in your mind or in your heart. And so just to use a brief example when your waiter comes to the table at a restaurant and they say, how are you doing today? And you say, fine, how are you doing? Rare is the person who really wants the waiter to go, actually, I'm kind of crabby and tired of this. I don't even want to be here today, but I'm just here because it's my job. So anyway, can I fill your drink? It's just not, you know, it's just polite to say, I'm doing fine. Can I take your order? You see? So saying with your mouth the right thing rather than what's actually in your mind and heart Verse nine is not referencing that. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So God is not looking for, and unfortunately some people have kind of taught this, but it's not what the Bible teaches. To confess with your mouth would mean necessarily that you agree with, that you see it, that you believe it, you know, that you're agreeing, you confess that Jesus is Lord. So that would come along with this idea that if Jesus is Lord, then you'd be saying, I confess this with my mouth because I believe it. I'm, I'm looking to live that way. Jesus is the boss of my life. I mean, that's in the Bible, that's what it means. There's no confess with your mouth. Like God is not just like threatening you and you better say the right words. And if you do, then you'll be saved. I, unfortunately, like I said, some people have taught that, but that's not what the Bible says. And we know that because it follows up, it says in verse nine, um, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, and you wanna look at that word heart there again, it's different than are there some facts in your brain? It's different than if I put a test in front of you and say, you know, is the Bible the word of God? Check yes or no. And you check yes, because you know it's the right answer and so on like that. It's not this purely mental thing. You know, some of the things you believe in your heart, it means if, you know, you, when you believe something in your heart, it's kind of one of those things that you can't help but know is true. You understand? There's things you believe in your heart that you just can't help. It's not like you could just stop believing it. It's in your heart. It's, you know, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. It's this way, it's this view of reality that God is holding out to you. And when you put your trust in him, it begins to, you know, it, it shapes the whole way you look at the world. And that's what it means to believe something in your heart. For verse 10, it's with the heart that one believes and is justified. God's not interested in your purely mental assent, like in your mind saying, okay, I'll agree that God is God. It's like, no, 
what's in your heart? What would you say if you if you could say any, exactly what you meant? What does God know you actually believe in your heart? For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved, and that's what God is interested in. Isn't that powerful? Romans 10 and 10, powerful verse. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. What God cares about is your heart and mind. It's very, very, you know, it's just big stuff. Anyway, we have to move on. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Now, Paul is making a point. He makes it throughout Romans. You'll have to go back and see uh, for yourself because I don't have time to line it all out. But a big part of the early Christian church was making peace between Jewish believers and Gentile believers. How much of the law do they have to keep? How much of the ceremonial law of the Old Testament do they need to keep? What sorts of cultural things have to go? Can they eat meat sacrificed to temples if they themselves don't believe in the power of the God that the meat was sacrificed to? And all this, you guys may be familiar with some of it. And so this is the point that Paul is trying to make. Paul himself, a very Jewish person, proud of it, Hebrew of Hebrews and so on but was sent by God to be the apostle to the Gentiles. So he himself, Jewish believer, sent to bring in Gentile believers. And so it was always heavy on Paul to to make peace and to to bring Gentiles in. And he was happy, but he felt like this was a huge thing that God had revealed that, that the Jewish people weren't the only people of God, but that actually Gentiles could be the people of God too. And that's what he's getting into here in 11. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. And then he quotes the Old Testament to back it up, you know, because the people who would say, no, only the Jewish people are the people of God would be using Old Testament for that. And so Paul uses it the same and says, well, doesn't the Old Testament say, verse 13, for, quote, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay. Now that's been so much, you know, it's good stuff, but that's a lot of background there. Um, and I hope it's helpful. I mean, as usual, like I've told you guys, I try to just rely on, I'm putting myself in your shoes where I'm just opening it up. What's the verse of the day? Let's look at it. Let's read it. Let's use the context. And so I don't have commentaries open in front of me and all this kind of stuff. So just try to do the best we can to limit ourselves to what the context can help us with and things like that. So I know there's a lot here. You might have a lot of questions, but... Uh, for now, I think that does add, you know, the context here has added quite a bit of depth for us, and, and that's what I'm happy to do. Okay, so where the original audience then, you know, the important thing I think is they're hearing both. They needed to hear, I mean, the gospel, Christianity was like new news to them in such a way, you know, you may be the same way. Maybe you were totally raised outside of the church, and you'd never been in a church. It, thankfully, it happens here at Crosspoint all the time, and people start to just say, this is Christianity and this is what, and it's like, whoa, this is a totally new world to me. Well, that's the way these, the early Christians felt as well. It was just brand new news to them. So it's, so you have Paul, the original audience is hearing it spelled, Paul is spelling it out for them. You know, this is what God has done. This is what he's interested in. The heart, faith in, in your heart, confession with your mouth, you know, so on and so forth. And then reassurance you know, between Jews and Gentiles and reassurance that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord in this way will be saved. You put your faith in him, you will not be put to shame. So they're going to be hearing reassurance. And so that's what we should hear as well, that God is interested in our heart, our mind, and he's interested in our trust and our faith. 
and he is trustworthy himself so that when you call upon his name, you're going to be saved. The rest of your life, the details, you know, the, the good or bad things that may happen to you, these are not so much beside the point, but they don't, you know, they don't define who you are. Maybe that's the easiest way to put it. Your trust in God, your trust in Jesus defines who you are, despite the other details of your life. Okay. And then, um, oh, and the operative thing is they're hearing that the, the thing they did that matters is calling upon the name of the Lord. You know, it's not their education or whether they're Jewish or Gentile or how much money they have or don't have. It's the fact that they call upon and put their trust in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. And where can we see Jesus in these verses? Well, he's the object of faith here. I mean, he's being pointed at here as as the one who brought God's peace, God's forgiveness and amnesty and mercy to us. That's It's important to look up in the context where he says, it's not about how do I get into heaven and get this or how do I go down into death and get this? Jesus did both those things. Jesus descended from heaven, descended into death for us and rose again to heaven and he's, he's the one offering us this faith. He's the one offering us this relationship with God. That's the point. And so we see Jesus here as, as the outstretched hand of God the face of God, the mercy of God, the welcome of God, the victory of God, you see. So, you know, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. So we see Jesus, in other words, all over this verse. Okay, so I hope it's been helpful today, a little bit more um, Bible material than usual, but I'm happy about that. I mean, it's fun to me and I hope it's helpful to you guys. Um, If you love this podcast or even if you just like it a lot, you know, why not recommend it to your friends if you feel like it would be helpful to them? Always appreciate you guys liking or following us if that's something. I think that's what you can do for our podcast. And um, it, as always, if you guys have any questions, recommendations, things you'd like to see on the podcast, email me, J-S-E-R-R-A at thecrosspoint.com. I'll do my best to get back to you and do my best to, to get your um, requests and things onto the podcast, okay? But... Pleasure being with you. Looking forward to seeing you next time.